right, good evening. Welcome to uh, Lower Town, St. Paul. Glad you guys could make it. Um, after Josh's announcement, it's kind of like Christmas in July. I mean, we're, we're clearly closer to July 4th than we are to Christmas, that's amazing. Uh, well, I actually enjoy the snow. I don't enjoy it in April, but I do enjoy the snow. Uh, you know me, you know my Jeep and my uh, passion for it. And I literally just drove around just for fun. Uh, so get a Jeep, uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, at least four wheel drive. I mean, I've only lived in Minnesota for seven, seven, eight years now maybe, I forget, no, six years. And uh, I don't know how you could live in this state without having four wheel drive. I don't get it, I don't understand. But some of you do it. Clearly you're better drivers than me. I guess that's all it means, because I can't do it. Um, okay, again, real quick, uh, if you're from uh, Lower Town, great. If not, if you're from downtown, I'll make this announcement next week. But we were, uh, we've got the uh, St. Paul Art Crawl coming up here at the end of the month. It's going to be the 27th and 28th. Some of you have emailed me about volunteering and helping. Um, I still have about uh, four or five uh, time, two-hour time slots to fill uh, for volunteers. So if you'd be interested in helping out with that. Basically what it is is um, we're going to fill this room with art from people from Hope Community Church. We're going to have... Uh, my mother-in-law rocking the organ just for the fun of it for about an hour, and a couple other bands will be up here playing, and uh, we've, this will all be filled with art. Stephanie's going to have some art, one of our interns, and, and uh, Pastor Drew Zolke is going to have a bunch of his photography, and, and so really excited about kind of what we're going to be able to, to show and display here, and, and I know one of the buildings last year had over 5,000 people walking their doors. Um, it's a great way for us to um, just serve the neighborhood as well as have them come see art and just see the building. The building itself is art. And so um, last year there was, I think, 24,000 visitors that came from outside of St. Paul to, to check it out. So it's a pretty big deal. So um, we're excited to be part of it and sponsor that, uh, be a sponsor of it. And so anyways, if you're interested in that or have any questions about that, please, please talk to me about that. I will gladly let you help out with that. So we are in week 12 of uh, Exodus. Um, the gospel according to Moses. That was the first time I got it right. Every week I've said the gospel of Moses, and I finally got it right. Exodus, gospel, thank you, gospel according to Moses. And uh, so I'm going to do a quick recap. Again, if you're from downtown, this, I'm going to fly through it, and you're going to go, what just happened? But that's okay. Um, I know they're saying very similar. They're reading the same passage over there. But um, I spent a little bit more time doing some history on Egyptian gods uh, that, uh, that Yahweh is specifically going after and attacking and saying um, doesn't, doesn't work that way. And so uh, one quote I've been reading every week is, is from uh, Peter N. says this, It may be helpful here to understand this through Pharaoh's eyes. In Egyptian royal ideology, the pharaoh was considered to be a divine being. He was actually considered to be the son of Ra, all right, the, the most powerful of the gods. And he was a son, and he was actually the mediator between human beings and Ra. Okay, you think God's got a problem with that? Yes, he does. So by calling Moses God, Yahweh is beating Pharaoh at his own game. And that's coming from chapter 7, where God goes to Moses and says, you are going to be a god to Pharaoh. Pharaoh thinks he's a god. No. Yahweh, you're going to be, God, Yahweh is beating Pharaoh at his own game. It is not the king of Egypt who is a god, rather this shepherd and leader of slaves who is God. And I've used this illustration every week uh, talking about um, this image of uh, Loki from the Avengers as he's standing there talking to the Incredible Hulk and he says, um, I am a god, you are all beneath me. And the Hulk grabs him and slams him around and leaves him in the dust and walks away and says, puny god. Right, and I was really proud of that analogy. Right, I, like my my life verse is from Ecclesiastes. Like, there's nothing new under the sun. 
I don't have any original thoughts that come into this brain. And I was, I was really proud of that. And literally this last week, what do I see on Facebook? A meme, I am a god, god, puny god, and right across Loki it says Nebuchadnezzar. Right? Someone was like Daniel chapter 3 and 4. Right? But thankfully, uh, Matthew Stenson, one of, the, you know, one of the guys who usually is here, um, he, uh, he said, oh, my, my pastor has been using that for the last few weeks. Like, you, you took that from me. That was my thought. You just memed it. I don't know how to do that, but you did it. But anyways, so that's, that's kind of what we're going to see. We're going to see Yahweh, the most powerful God, the only God, go to Pharaoh and go to these puny gods of Egypt and say, you're, you're nothing. And we're going to see that even more so again tonight. So looking at, again, we've been looking at these plagues. We've got two more to go um, next week. And so, um, again, I'm just going to very quickly fly through these previous plagues of the blood and the frogs and the gnats and flies and livestock and boils. And even going back even further than that, looking at the, um, to Aaron's um, staff that has turned into a snake. And this snake, his name was uh, Apep, and he was the god of chaos. And, and Pharaoh, would, on his crown, actually had the snake of Apep that was supposed to protect him. And so, and if anyone was in his court, apparently the snake was supposed to breathe out fire and destroy somebody in front of him. And his, the, his name meant chaos. And when you get into the language in, in, Hebrew, in Genesis, in the Hebrew language, Exodus, in the Hebrew language, um, when Aaron throws down his staff, it doesn't just say it became a snake. It says it became a dragon. Right? And then the other priest snakes are just regular snakes. And this snake of Yahweh says, you want chaos? Right? I'm going to show you chaos. You've got puny gods. You're nothing. And the snake of Yahweh devours the other snakes. Happy, he's the god of, she is the god of the Nile. They worship the Nile as a god, brings forth life. And so just kind of going back, Ra has created, thou givest life unto all animals, thou makest all the land to drink unceasingly as thou descendest on way from heaven. And Yahweh says, no more water, it's going to turn to blood. Heket, uh, she had the head of a frog because we see frogs descending from everywhere. I learned that the tadpole in hieroglyphs actually stands for a thousand, um, that she was just about multiplication, and she was married to, a, uh, to Horus, the elder of the mist of Osiris. She was re- represented as a funeral, uh, sorry, funeral as a frog, and symbolic of life and fertility after death. God says that's a puny god. Geb, he is a... a, 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 a what do you call him, a, a goose, and a laid the world egg, and he's responsible for the land, and we see the lice uh, come up forward out of the land. We've got Kefri, um, who is the a god of the morning and swarms and flies, and he's actually um, a scarab or a dung beetle, and so he uh, rolls the world and, or the, the sun into existence and pushes it up, so we get to see the sun, and then it turns into Ra. And so uh, dung beetles, that's what they, they roll around dung and they plant their eggs or they lay their eggs inside so the babies have food to eat when they hatch, right? So it's kind of cool. There's the dung beetle. Uh, puny God, all right? That's what Yahweh is saying. Hathor, really cool story about Hathor, but I'm not going to get into that. She is represented as uh, a goddess that has the head of a, of a bull or of a, of a cow and is love and protection. She's supposed to take care of the people, and now all the livestock are dying. These are puny gods. Isis, god of medicine and magic, and this is the first one. This is the one where the, where the uh, magicians that are in Pharaoh's court just say, please, take this away. Stop this. And they say, no, we, we can't fix this. And they go to Pharaoh directly and say, please, please send his people away. 
but a Pharaoh hardens his heart. So that's where we've been, and uh, this is where we're going to be. More plagues, hail and locusts come today, and we're going to see more compromising, more compromising on Pharaoh's part where he doesn't listen to Yahweh, and he's going to harden his heart. And so the, the first uh, goddess that we have is Nut, or Newt, I don't, again, I'm probably pronouncing all these wrong, uh, but uh, she's the goddess of the sky and is depicted as that large um, bird. Um, and so she is the goddess of the sky who is to protect uh, over, over storms and things like that. She is to protect the crops from storms and hail. God says you have puny gods. So let's start. Exodus 9, 13 through 10, 20 says this. Then Yahweh said to Moses... Uh, sorry, and I read, I just say Yahweh. I've just gotten in the habit of doing that. Anytime it's in all caps, um, it means Yahweh. And so anytime in the book of Exodus, especially when it's in all caps, we're talking, so I've just gotten used to it, uh, just reading Yahweh. So then Yahweh said to Moses, get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh and say to him, this is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews says, let my people go so that they may worship me. Right? Pharaoh's heard this a few times. Let my people go so they may worship me, or this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in the earth. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. Or Yahweh's saying, listen, I'm, I'm really powerful, but I've been holding back. You think this is bad. You have no idea. And as I was studying, I couldn't, couldn't be reminded of when I was growing up as, as I was the youngest. And there's a picture of my cousins and my uncle. Um, what was funny is today I was sitting with my, one of my nephews, uh, whose dad is one of these guys, and I went through everybody, and the only one that he looked that looked familiar to him was was Papa, the grandpa, right? This, this guy's like put us to shame. He's this like 20-year-old picture, and the only guy that looks like himself is grandpa. Um, so I feel terrible. So my cousin Teddy is in the far left, and then me, and that is me with I don't know the yellow stripe on, and then my cousin Nathan, uh, my uncle Scott, and then David and Matt. Not that any of that matters, but those guys were all a lot bigger than me, right? This is obviously, we, we you know, equaled out here. Um, and uh, Teddy really looks a lot like himself. Everyone else has put on at least 100 pounds since that picture. Um, but as the youngest, you just get beat up on, right? And, and the thing is, what's, you know, if, you've, if you have a little nephew or kids now or, or whatever, you've just had a good friend who is smaller than you, and if you're just picking on them, not being a bully, but and I got bullied a lot, but right, they're, they're beating you up, they're smacking on you, whatever, and then and you get really mad. I remember as the youngest, I would just have this rage that would overcome me, that I just, I've got to take out my big brother. He's five years older than me. And Matt would be like, really? Like, you're going to get mad? Like, I'm actually not, I'm not even trying to beat you right now. <laughs> like, if you want me really to beat you, then I'll beat you, right? And I, that was just kind of the image I got of Yahweh saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen, I could have wiped you off the face of the planet, but I haven't. And he gives us a reason why, but I want to read this uh, quote real quick here. It says, the plague is re uh, recounted in greater length than any of the other nine and acts as the climax of sorts for what... Uh, uh, what has uh, herefore to, that's a funny word, herefore, heretofore, heretofore transpired. Now Pharaoh is to feel the full force of God's power. 
The Hebrew of verse 14 reads literally, I am about to send all of my signs to your heart. As we have seen elsewhere, all clearly cannot mean uh, each and every, and the NIV, which the translation we use, uh, full, uses the, the term full force, seems a good way to get the thought across. The narrative is reaching the higher plateau of devastation. Something's different about this one. The heavens themselves are to be unleashed against Egypt. The elements, right? Just even the very elements themselves of creation are obeying their creator, even to the point where God can specify the target of his destruction. So then he goes on to say this. But, I could have wiped you out, but I have raised you up for this very purpose. That I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. I could wipe you out, but you're still serving a purpose. And I was reading that, I was trying to, I was just trying to, I don't, I don't know, I've been trying to put myself in Pharaoh's shoes. I'm trying to put myself in the Egyptian shoes a little bit more. And thinking, hold on a second, you're not wiping me out because you want to use me, you want me to suffer in order to bring you glory. Does that sound familiar? Right? At first I was kind of having a little pity party for myself. All the times I've suffered, and, man, God, you could fix this. And then I remembered this guy named Jesus, right, who suffers and bleeds for the glory of his father. And I was reminded, I just immediately was drawn to Matthew 4, chapter 1. This is, and Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That there are times, and we've said this, that our difficulties only sometimes coincide with what God has for us. And that we see that here with, with the Egyptians. And even their pain and suffering has a point and a purpose to bring God glory and to give him fame. And he says this, you will set yourself against my people and you will not let them go. All right, same story. And, and, and Yahweh calls it out. He's, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to change anything. I'm going to put my hand against you. Something's going to be different about this one, but you're still, you're still going to set yourself against me. You're still going to have a hard, hard heart. So moving on. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day that it was founded until now. It was kind of funny as I was studying that. Um, Moses would have understood that it was kind of like a saying, right? They were the center of their universe. They claimed that they were the oldest uh, civilization in history. And so when they say this, he's basically saying from now to the beginning of time, this is going to be the worst, worst, worst day ever, the worst hailstorm ever. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to a place of shelter because the hail will fall on every person and animal that has not been brought in and is still out in the field and they will die. Something different about this one. They will die if you don't listen to the warning. And those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of Yahweh, okay, you gotta think about that. These Egyptians who don't know who this Yahweh is know that they've suffered a lot because Pharaoh's hardened his heart. And they might not worship Yahweh as God, but they definitely say this deity definitely has way more power than my deities. They feared the word of Yahweh, and they hurried to bring in their slaves and their livestock inside. But those who ignored the word of Yahweh left their slaves and livestock in the field. And what do you think happened to them? They died. 
because they don't listen to Yahweh, who's already shown himself over and over and over again. Stuart says this, this is the first plague announced in which the uh, prediction, or, sorry, the, yeah, man, sorry, I'm having a hard time reading tonight. This is the first plague announced in which the prediction is made that Egyptian lives would actually be lost. Those who would die would be those who failed to, to hear the warning. Thus, the biblical principle, I love this, the biblical principle that people's choices do them harm, not merely what they cannot control. I mean, we have choices, yes, yes. Things happen to us, things come into our lives that, we, we, that are completely out of our control. But there are times as human beings that we make choices that do ultimately have, we do can actually, we actually have a say in. We just went through the whole idea of, of, of reformation and, and my salvation and all these things. Is, is it God? Is it me? Is it, is it God hardening Pharaoh's heart? Is Pharaoh hardening his own heart? Human beings have choices. Yes, God is sovereign, but there are eternal consequences for those who do not heed the warning of Yahweh. Exodus chapter 9 Verse 22 says this, Then Yahweh said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, so that all the hail will fall over Egypt, on people and animals, and on everything growing in the fields of Egypt. And when Moses stretched out his staff towards the sky, Yahweh sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground, so that Yahweh rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth, it was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields, both people and animals. It beat down everything growing in the fields and stripped every tree. And the only place it did not hail was the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were. Something's different about this. There's pain, suffering, and death, but yet God has control over his creation and the Israelites are spared because they heed the warning, they listen and worship Yahweh. Then Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron. All right, he goes and gets them. Come here. Come into my presence right now. And he says, this time I have sinned. He said to them, Yahweh is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Other way you can say this is he's not worshiping Yahweh here. He's saying, oops, I made a mistake. All right, my, my bad. Fix this. Pray to Yahweh. For we have had enough thunder and hail, and if you do this, I will let you go. You don't have to stay here any longer. Right? We've heard this before. Pharaoh has said this numerous times. Okay, just fix it. I'll let you go. Last week, we, we talked about lamb chops. This is the song that never ends. Right? It goes on and on and on. And then this week, just because it was appropriate, right, it was Groundhog Day. We're just happening over and over. And Pastor Cora sent a picture of this to the staff, you know, where he says, what snow? It's just a couple of snowflakes, right? This is what happens in, in Groundhog Day, right? It's just that he has to relive the same day over and over and over. And you'd think Moses has got to be doing that. Moses, he's hitting the alarm clock. Like, what day is this? Because this, I keep, something is, we keep doing the same thing, Pharaoh. Something's got to change. And it's not me, it's you, it's your heart. So Moses replies, right, all right, here we go again. When I have gone out of the city, I will spread my hands in prayer to Yahweh, and the thunder will stop, and there will be no more hail. So you may know that the earth is Yahweh's. 
Uh, but I got a sneaky suspicion, right? I, I know that you and your officials do not fear Yahweh God. He says, I know what's going to happen, right? Uh, we've been here, done this before. I'm getting sick of this. And then he adds this, um, which seems like a very small little detail. Like, you know, why, why did you, why'd you put this in here? It says, the flax and the barley were destroyed since the barley had uh, headed and the flax was in bloom. And the wheat and spelt, however, were not destroyed because they will ripen later. Oh, thank you for the agricultural uh, lesson, Moses. That was very important, but it actually is, which we'll, we'll come back to in a minute. Then Moses left Pharaoh and went out of the city, and he spread out his hands toward Yahweh, and the thunder and the hail stopped. God's in control. And the rain no longer poured down on the land. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again. And he, his officials, hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as Yahweh had said through Moses, right? Like, we knew this was going to happen. God calls at the beginning. Yep, yep, it, this, is, this is what happened. Moving on in the story, we've got Set. He's the God of storms and wind that is going to bring these locusts in. And God says, you have, again, you have puny gods. And then Yahweh said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of officials so that I may perform these signs of mine among them. Right? I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to show my wonders. I'm going to display my might and my power. So as we reaching back to what we've been talking about, so that Israel and also Egypt know that I am Yahweh, not these other gods. And again, end says this, Pharaoh is a rag doll in God's hands, puny God. And he is about to witness the irrevocable finale. The process is proceeding as Israel's God has designed it, and Pharaoh is helpless to do anything about it. Why? Why is God doing this? We, right, we, we still kind of been flirting here. Yes, yes, he's going to give himself honor and praise and glory. But in verse 2 here, he says this. Here's why. This is why I'm doing this, Moses, that you may tell your children and your grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, and that you may know, that your children may know, and your grandchildren may know, and at Hope Community Church Lower Town, thousands of years from now may know, I am God, the God. And he says, remember. You got to remember this. You got to remember what's happened here. And in the book of Exodus and, and throughout really the whole Old Testament, you're going to see these stones, these piles of stones being put together. And that's it's the, the, the term is called an Ebenezer, right? Not Ebenezer Scrooge, okay? And we sing this all the time. Here I raise my Ebenezer. It is a sign of remembrance. And they look back to that stone pile. So for generations and generations and generations, as great, 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 great grandkids are walking through a field and they say, what is that? They go, oh man, sit down. I got a story to tell you about our God. Right, that's what it is. And we sing this here, I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. It's a sign of remembrance that what God has accomplished. And he says, you're going to remember this for thousands of years, what I've done here. So Moses went to Pharaoh and said to him, this is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says, how long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. 
If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so that it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail, including every tree that is growing in your fields. All right, so that little aside that Moses puts about, well, the, the wheat was still available, right? Egypt could still survive. Moses says, not anymore. Heed my word or you're done. Your barns are empty. You got no chance of recovering from this. They'll devour all the trees in your fields and they will fill your houses and those of all your officials and all the Egyptians. Something neither your parents nor your ancestors, it's the opposite here. You're saying, hey, they couldn't, they couldn't even remember a worse time. Yahweh's going to deliver. Your ancestors have ever seen from the day they settled in this land till now. And then Moses turns and leaves Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's officials said to him, right, just listen, they're, they're, they're trying. <laughs> How long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so they may worship Yahweh their God. Do you not realize that Egypt is ruined? Right? We got no food. We got no jobs. We're done. Let them go. And Moses and Aaron were brought back. Okay, just, okay, get them back in here. Right? Don't, let them, don't let them get too far. Go and worship Yahweh your God, Pharaoh says. Uh, but one thing, <laughs> real quick here. Who, who's going to be going with you? Moses answered, well, you want to get specific, right? We're going to go with our young. We're going to go with our old, with our sons and our daughters, and with all of our flocks and all of our herds because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Uh, we're, we're all going, and we're taking everything we have. Matter of fact, Yahweh even promised at the beginning of all this that we're going to plunder all of your stuff too. Pharaoh said, Yahweh be with you, if I let you go along with your women and children. All right, this is very sarcastic. We don't see it in our language here. All right, but he's saying, all right, fine. Go, yeah, yeah, okay, go ahead. You go ahead. I'll let you go along with your women and children. Right, basically, it's so be it. All right, he says, clearly you are bent on evil. He says, not, uh, uh, let it be, and then uh, not so. It's not happening. No way. Have only the men go. And worship Yahweh, since that's what you've been asking for. That's what you've been asking for? Is that really what he's been asking for? And then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. And Yahweh said to Moses, stretch out your hand over Egypt. So the locusts swarm over the land and devour everything growing in the field and everything left by the hail. So Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt, and Yahweh made an east wind blow across the land all that day and all that night. And by morning, the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all of Egypt and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor were there ever again. They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left after the hail. And everything growing in the fields and the fruit of the trees, nothing green remained. I guess we can kind of empathize with that right now. Nothing green on tree or plant or in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh again quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against Yahweh your God and against you. Right? Again, oops, 
my bad, let's fix this. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to Yahweh your God. Again, it's still Yahweh your God. Right? Pharaoh never says, okay, I think I can see that I'm no longer a God. I think I can see that there's only one true God. No, Yahweh your God to take this deadly plague away from me. Moses then left Pharaoh and prayed to Yahweh, and the Lord changed the wind to a very strong west wind, which caught up the locusts and carried them into the Red Sea. And not a locust was left anywhere in Egypt, but Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go. Gospel implication, do we keep our word? It may seem simple, but Pharaoh just over and over and over again is saying, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll do it. Right? Am I known for being a truthful person? If I say I'm going to do something, do I do it? Don't ask my wife that. Right? But do I do it? Am I a man of my word? Is that my bond? Do I keep my word? Am I keep going back on that. And I, I, I was thinking of, of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. And he says again, you've heard of old that it was said to the people long ago. Do not break your oath, but fulfill it to, to the Lord, the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one or from evil and this may seem like a simplified thing, but he's saying, when you, when you say yes, then just do it. I don't need to sit here and, and say, yes, I swear. I swear, I'm, you know, cross my heart, hope to die. I promise you, I promise you, I'm going to get this thing done. That are we men and women that when I say yes, people go, okay, he said yes. She said yes. She said no. Done. Are we known about that? Is that known of us? Do we keep our word? And finally, just a couple gospel application things before we worship again and enter into a time of communion. Praise God that he keeps his word. Right? Because what we've been seeing in this passage is Pharaoh, this puny God, this tiny God, man, who thinks he's a God, and you've got Yahweh. And we can look at this, and as I was trying, I was, I was trying to just research and try to find how many promises are made just in the New Testament. How many promises has God made to us? There was over 750 of these, these promises and sayings that he's going he's gonna to sustain you and, and fulfill you and keep you and be in Christ and forgive you and all these things, and he does it every time. So we can praise God that he keeps his word. He's not like human beings. And be a man, woman, who is known to tell the truth and whose sword is their bond. And finally, one more on here that I want you to remember. I want you to remember who God is and all that he has done for us, right? What is that Ebenezer? Looking back and looking at this story, and I think sometimes when we read Exodus, and especially now, right, we're in week three of these plagues, and we, I think maybe sometimes you just go, yep, what are the next one? Okay, it's the next thing, next thing. This happened. And Yahweh's saying, remember me. This happened. So what are your Ebenezer's? You have Ebenezer's. Are there, are there things that remind you of the past, of what God has done for you and brought you out of? I'm not saying like build a pile of rocks in your office or something like that, but, but for me, right, I've got pictures. I've got a picture of my wife and my son, right? Thank God for these people. 
Right? I've got a picture of my dad and my grandpa. I wouldn't be in ministry without these men. Right? I've got a picture of this building right on September 10th when we first opened. Looking, of that wasn't me. That's God. What are your Ebenezer's? So I want to remember, and what's really cool is we get to remember what Jesus did 2,000 years ago as we take communion. As we take the bread, which represents the broken body of Christ and the juice, which represents the blood that Jesus shed for us and our sins. And again, it's not just a story, it's real. And as often as you come together and as you take these elements, remember what I've done. So think about that. Think about what Jesus has done. Remember who he is. And if you're visiting uh, for the first time, well, all we would say is that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are more than welcome to come and have communion. And if you're not, maybe today's the first time where you can have communion uh, with the body of Christ. And remember what Christ has done to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness because when God said he was going to do that, he did. So let's remember that. And let's also re- think of things. What are some Ebenezer's that I have in my life that I can set up? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for just the opportunity again that we have to be here. I thank you for the safety of everyone coming down to to St. Paul tonight and just your protection uh, over us. And God, I pray that we would remember uh, what you've done to Israel, now that we've been grafted in and we once were not a people, but now we are a people, that's our story too. That you are Yahweh, you are the God of the universe that we get to, that I'm praying to right now because of what Jesus did on the cross. So God, we will remember what he did and accomplished for us that we now can boldly enter into your throne of grace because Jesus is mediating between you and me, the true God, not Pharaoh, not some earthly priest or king. God, I thank you for that. And I pray now that as we worship and lift our voices, as we remember through these elements, that you would be honored and glorified in a way that you are due. For it's in Christ's most precious name we pray. Amen.